Welcome to the Freedom Mindset Academy podcast, where we will help you break cycles of burnout, build a sustainable entrepreneurial lifestyle, and have more by doing less. I'm Christine, a life balance coach. And I'm Maggie, an empowerment educator. And together, we believe that building a business should be fun. As the creators of Freedom Mindset Academy and the Energy Method, we're on a mission to help you live in the house you're building. Survival mode just ain't the vibe anymore. And we're showing you how to sustainably scale your business while actually enjoying your life in the process. We're dealing out all the tools to take back your time and energy so that you can cultivate a thriving business and life and do more of the things you love along the way. So pop into our weekly conversations and let us show you how we turn Mondays into Fridays. Hello. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Here we are. Here we are. We are excited. Um, And today we're going to talk about Maggie's method of the six pillars of self-love. Yeah. No pun intended. I love this. Yeah. (laughs) It really did. So like every piece of my work, I can sort of like trace back to a specific pillar that we're working on and building. Um, And this is sort of my own framework that I have created. And I've been sharing some of this in some of the posts that we've been putting in the group, Mm -hmm. but we wanted to spend today just giving an overview of what each of these pillars are, how they're different, how they work together, um, and how all of them together can sort of create a more self-loving version of you, especially I know for my like Christine can go on and on about, um, new year's resolutions, like put my intention for 2022. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Is my intention is to like love myself more than I ever have in any other year. And so I'm bringing each of these components into full practice and like the center of my life, especially as I'm like moving into motherhood and like really entering into a new phase um, anytime you're entering into transition, it can be really hard to practice self-love. So, um, yeah, this is the forefront of my mind. So I wanted to share it with you all. Well, yeah. And I love it because it, you make it so easy. Like I'm all about creating, you know, taking a giant concept that has a lot of branches and mm-hmm. simplifying it for efficiency so that we can actually start to apply it into our life. Yeah. And I think so many people, especially now talk about self-love, self-care. What does that mean? You know, it's the concept of work-life balance or what does burnout look like? Like these are all giant concepts that look different for everybody, but for you to be able to take, um, something so abstract and make it something that we can follow and integrate into our lives. Um, that's what I love about it. So I'm excited for people to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So let's just, I guess, I mean, you're sort of alley-ooping me again. We always do this. I'm uh, sorry. Like, no, no, the alley-oop is good. It's like oh, you're okay. there, it's the transition. Um, it's uh, so like thinking about like, what is self-love? I mean, we hear a lot about, it's like, feels like self-care or like balance or is it bubble baths? Is it like telling myself that I love myself? And those are all, you know, sharing these pillars. It is a multifaceted practice, self-love right. is. And sure, like go and get your nails done or getting a massage or taking a Friday afternoon off. Like these are components, getting eight hours of sleep a night. These mm. are components of self-love because yeah. they're a part of self-care. Honestly, I don't even um, include self-care as a part of self-love. I think that that's sort of like 
that's like a, a outside thing. So it's a bonus. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it comes when you do all of the inside work. Um, so let's just dive into, I'll like give an overview of what the different components are and how we can work with them and use them to create like the whole practice of self-love. Awesome. So first we have self-knowing, self-understanding, um, self-compassion, self-trust, self-forgiveness, self-worth. So these are all the, the selves. Yes. And so self-knowing, self-understanding sounds similar, but from my perspective, self-knowing is like, what, what is the specific biology that we have? What are the specific like neuron functions and evolutionary traits that we have evolved over time to make humans the way that they are? So this is like a knowing about your being, about the human aspect of you. So being very familiar with how humans work and allowing ourselves to, okay, so knowing I'm not broken, there's not something wrong mm-hmm. with me, these tools and strategies that I've adapted, I've evolved to adapt, right? My emotions, I evolved those, like all of these things are a part of me and have evolved in every single human. And so knowing this, like, right, there's not something wrong with you. So this is a huge aspect of self-love because- Question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. cut. Can, so- when you say self-knowing, like, can this include understanding your gender? Because I think what we go through being a woman versus being a man is very different. And we need to know that. Does that, is that where that would fall in or no, not at all? I would say that's more of a component of self-understanding. So okay. for me, self-knowing, although there are, right, because biologically. Well, when um, you said biology, that's all I was like, mm. Yeah. So biologically, um, people who are born like anatomically male and anatomically female, like our biology is different. Yeah. Women and men do not have the same set of hormones, um, like strictly scientifically speaking. Um, This is not, so gender, I would say, is more of a self-understanding, like gender identity is something that is very personal. I'm talking about like what you can study through science, not through so much like a personal like experience. So this is the, this is the nuance between self-knowing and self-understanding. So self-knowing is like humans at large, right? Like how we evolved as humans, what mechanisms have we evolved as humans at large? So it's understanding our, as a species, basically got it. Exactly. And so this is a, a broad broad practice and this is really a learning practice so the more you can learn about humans about the things that are interesting about us about the latest brain research like this is what is encompassed in this specific pillar of self-love so it's self-knowing why is this a pillar of self-love because when you know that you evolved to be this way and there's not something wrong with you it's easier to love yourself love the parts of yourself like right that are you know, we're programmed to run away from pain because it is part of our survival. We're programmed to seek acceptance from other people because if we weren't in the group a hundred thousand years ago, we were going to die. Right. Right. So we're programmed. Like, you know, we can say like, I don't know why I care so much what other people think. Well, because your survival depended on it. 
a hundred thousand years ago. Right. And our biology, our evolution hasn't caught up to the time that we're living in. So understanding that, like, right, okay. we can beat mm-hmm. up, our, you know, I feel like we spend a lot of time beating ourselves up about these things that we've evolved okay. over time for very specific reasons. And the more we're clear, like, oh, this is just part of my outdated hardware. Right software. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not into like computer science. So I don't know if it's a hardware. We, or software. we need an upgrade Apple. Get it, get it together. <laughs> I don't know. Hardware, software, whatever. It's, whatever. It's, it's the mechanisms, the right. program inside That's of you. Funny. Um, so knowing that I feel for me has been a huge shift of like, Oh, this is just an evolved process. That's no longer serving me. Right. And to stop fighting it in a way that, or be, like not fighting it, but like you said, beating yourself up over yeah. it. Because yes. it's not, it's not, you know, like you said, it's, it's there. Right. So we can, we can work with it and understand how to evolve exactly. with it, but not try to fight against it. Yeah. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so the next one is self-understanding. We talked about this last week, actually, when we were talking about limiting beliefs. Okay. So this is like knowing yourself. This is the personal one, right? Okay. So self-knowing is it's like humans in general, how we have, how we have evolved. Self-understanding is about you. What is your personal history? Mm. So like our emotions, for example, generate in the limbic system and they are based on our emotions are triggered by evolution. So how we are programmed and born, but also by our own personal experiences. So our emotions pretty much paint the picture for everything in our lives, paint our experience of life. And are they're like tied to long-term memory and to our belief systems. So our beliefs pretty much predict anything that we're going to do and have an impact on everything that we do. And so oftentimes we go through life and we're like, I don't know why I do this. Well, you do it because it's attached to a belief. And the more you understand Mm -hmm. about yourself and where these beliefs came from, um, again, Go watch the last last week's live, right? That was the one we were working yeah, on. Yeah, it was. Yeah, last week was rewriting learning beliefs, which again is a very abstract, lots to pack in into a concept. Yeah. But, you know, um, yeah, we, we kind of gave you a little overview of how to start that process. Yep. So this is, yeah, self, yeah. self-understanding is all about limiting beliefs. Okay. And um, tapping into what specifically has happened in your history. Right. So again, Self-knowing human history, self-understanding Yours. your history. Cool. What's happening with you. Um, and then the third pillar is self-compassion. So this is a huge one. And you can't like, like when you have self-knowing and self-understanding, it generates self-compassion. Mm. Right. And when, especially. They're all, they're all like domino effects on each other. Right. So you yes. want to start at the top and work your way yeah. down. Exactly. That. I think, you know, a lot of times an entry point that is not so personal is really helpful, which is why I start with self-knowing, right? right. So how can we understand humans as a whole and then get closer and closer? Into- yeah. Cause it doesn't make you feel like you're doing something wrong. It's like, Oh, you know, as a society, we are blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That. And so self-compassion we've done, I think the live on this as well. Um, self Right. Like right at the beginning, I think we did. Yeah. yeah we might have something in there. This is, I mean, it, the research is now catching up with so much of so many of these practices, which is amazing. People who are self-compassionate are more successful period. Mm. We think that we can sort of like mm, beat ourselves into submission. And like, if we're really hard on ourselves, 
we will be more successful. And if we push ourselves really hard, we'll be more successful, but we'll actually just crack and we'll break and we'll burn out. And um, the truth of the matter is, and this is the core of it, that people who are self-compassionate are able to look at their mistakes. They are able to see and acknowledge the human aspect of them. They're able to acknowledge that maybe they didn't show up to their highest expectation of themselves. Mm. Maybe they didn't show up to 110%, but that doesn't mean that they are a bad person or that there's something fundamentally broken within them. And so this ability to look at mistakes means that you can change it. Yeah. Right. It's if you can actually see the thing that's hard to see, you can change it. People who are really hard on themselves, who experience a lot of shame when they have, when they make mistakes or experience failure are not able to grow because they can't look at it. Mm. You can't look at the reason why you failed. If you just say, I'm a bad person, right. Then you're a bad person. What can you do about that? Right. Right? Kind of like I fucked up. How can I do better next time? It's like, I'm bad. And learn from it basically. But also I want to, I want to add that, you know, so many people, when you're thinking about compassion in general, um, taking the self part out of it, a lot of people think they are compassionate. Right. And they're like, that's why we always say like, what advice would you give a friend or someone else, you know, a family member? Because when you look at someone who's having a problem and you're like, oh, but this is why you did it. And you know, you're just human. You're not perfect, blah, blah, blah. And then we are so much harder on ourselves. And so I love, you know, that this is again, the pillars of self, because we tend to leave ourselves out. You know, it's like the concept of saying yes to everybody. And then like, we're the last ones to get a piece of the pie because now there's no time left for us. Well, it's the same concept with compassion, I think is what I'm understanding from what you're saying. hundred percent. And this is really interesting because, you know, I do believe that at our core, we love, we have the capacity to love only in so much as we have the capacity to love ourselves. Mm. So our, even if we show affection and service to other people, I'm willing to bet that if you don't love yourself, those acts of service are not really in the energy of love. They're in the energy of needing to receive validation or needing to feel worthy, right? So Mm -hmm. love is not just what it looks like on the outside. It is the energy of it, right? If my mom, you know, calls me every time she hears a siren, this is not because she loves me that she's calling me. It's because she's scared. Right. That's the energy of fear. Mm-hmm. So even though it's, you know, she does love me, that action is not related to her love for me. It's related to her fear of losing me, which is of course, because she loves me, but that, you know, do you see what right. I'm saying? It's, yeah, it, it's compartmentalized into right. something different for sure. So this, so with love, we are only able to love others to the extent to which we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. So compassion is different. We often hold so much more compassion for other people because we enjoy the distance and perspective that we can take on someone else's life that we right. not, that is not easy to access when you're in like an emotional yeah when you're completely unbiased like you're you can give so much better advice it's like oh I should take that advice for myself but then you're too attached <laughs> to the situation 100 yeah. percent. I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've been coaching people I've said something like damn I need to listen to myself yeah Oh yeah. We do it too. All the time. Yeah. I highly relate to that scenario. Yeah, We're so much more compassionate towards other people than Mm -hmm. we are ourselves. Part of that can be because we think we're letting ourselves off the hook. 
if we're not really hard on ourselves, it's like we're permitting ourselves to be less than our best. And that's not actually true. Like we're just imperfect, right? right. We are and that's okay. And we need to, the sooner we accept that and understand that there will be bumps along the road with the imperfection of what we are, mm-hmm. the, you know, the easier life's going to be. And the more enjoyable, honestly, like it's 100%. for me, it's more enjoyable <laughs> when you're not trying to be perfect all the time. Well, it's like then too, you know, the journey is the only thing we have guys. Yeah. Like the destination is not the thing that's going to make us happy or fulfill us. Like, and honestly, the ultimate destination is we die. Like, well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, the destination is death. So if we're all looking forward to that, I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah. So it's yeah. the journey is all there is. If you're not enjoying it along the way, then what's the point? Yeah. Totally that doesn't mean everything's going to be easy or feel really easy or like always good and nice, but it does mean like you should be present and enjoying mm-hmm. your journey. And if you're not, it's an invitation to look at what the hell is happening. Right. We weren't meant to just suffer through life. Mm-mm. So yeah. Not in today's world. Mm-mm. No, no, (laughs) no, definitely not ever. But I mean, you know, back in the day, it was definitely like with inequalities and things like that, like, like it's, it's a different world and we are, we're analyzing our mental health a lot more and, and putting that on the forefront. And I think that that's, you know, being able to, um, change the narrative on that, I think is really changing how we, again, how we look at ourselves, how we don't suffer in silence, essentially, you know? Or needlessly, yeah. right? Like we add so much suffering to ourselves, especially with self-compassion. If we're not extending ourselves compassion and we fail and that hurts and that's human and that's normal. Mm-hmm. And then we like punish ourselves continually for mm-hmm. one failure or one mistake or, you know, right. one setback. We're, that's creating suffering. Life, there is pain in life. There are going to be challenging circumstances and hard emotions but the suffering we have control over, we don't need to suffer. We don't mm. need to punish ourselves like that, yeah. right? We, you know, pain is pain enough. We are, we're going to yeah. experience it. Why add more to our plate by punishing ourselves? Totally. And we always say, you know, we hear these phrases all the time that we're the hardest on ourselves. You know, we hear that a lot in athletics. And since that's what the industry I grew up in, like we're always our big, our toughest critic, you know, whenever we watch back a choreography, we watch ourselves on television, we watch ourselves do whatever. It's like, oh no, you know, and everyone loves it. And you're just like, oh, that can be better, you know? But I think that that, you know, plays to what you're saying is like being just much more um, just compassionate with yourself and, and understanding that again, the imperfections are going to be there, but like, how good can you make it and enjoying the process of making that happen essentially? Yep. Mastery over, over achievement. Yeah. All the way. Progress over perfection. There's so many fun ways to say it. Why do we not do it more often? (laughs) Because it's hard. You know, it's rewiring that programming. And I think it's hard to, to create, create distance. Um, and to create that perspective, but that's the practice. It's like, that's why it's called practice. Right. It's a self-love. Correct. It's not a, like, you know, you check one of these off and you're done <laughs> for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's an ongoing oh, process. I am compassionate and that's it. That's all. I that's it. Yeah. 
but it does get easier. I mean, cause just sure. like, you know, we talk about all of these things, the rewiring beliefs, the building sustainable habits, all of these things. Like you're, it's, it's just like what Maggie said, you're not going to check it off the list and be like, oh, great. I did them for the rest of my life. That's not the concept is the concept. You're going to be constantly confronted with, you know, new challenges, new opportunities, new things. When you change your environment, change the people around you, um, you know, grow as yourself, but it, it's, it's a constant, the challenges are there to help you grow. That's the idea. And so, but it does get easier building sustainable habits, rewiring, limiting beliefs, becoming more self-compassion, like all of these things do become easier as you have the proper tools and strategies. Um, you know, cause that's what, that's definitely what Maggie and I have learned. Like as crazy as your life can be, like when you have these tools to fall back on, it changes the game. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, and it then you know with enough practice, this becomes your new normal. It is yeah, default mode, right? Um, that you don't get you triggered. Can... You don't get triggered as often. Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the next one is self trust, and this is a biggie. Mm-hmm. Um. I just describe this the same way as like right. If you have a relationship with somebody who continually doesn't do what they say they're going to do, doesn't follow through doesn't show up, you're not going to trust that person. And so if you've been a person who says, you know, I'm going to quit drinking or um, I'm going to start, you know, making a a greater effort to create friendships or I'm going to, you know, get up in the morning and and do this morning practice so I can start my day off right. And you don't, Mm. are you going to have any faith in yourself for doing that again in the future? So Mm. this is a really big piece that we get to work on for self-love. We are living in a society that tells us not to trust ourselves, not to trust our instincts, not to trust our decisions, to constantly outsource our decisions to other people, um, not to trust our emotions. We're told that we're not supposed to feel how we feel and like, oh, you know, we're told that we can't trust ourselves and that Mm -hmm. we have to outsource our trust to something else that somebody else or something else knows better than we do. Right. And after, you know, lots of time of not showing up for ourselves, right? We've destroyed that self-trust yeah. and society has programmed us not to trust ourselves either. And so. Which in, re- in re- like in reaction to that, the reason that society has programmed us that way is because when we don't trust ourselves, we trust society to tell us what we want, in which case that's a way for consumerism to thrive so that people can, you know, can sell us things. Yeah. And control and control. Absolutely. If we're, you know, if you're not making your decisions for you, somebody else's. That's right. And is that something you want to outsource? So it's hard to trust yourselves. It's hard to rebuild. I mean, if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody who has Mm. um, trust, yeah, broken your trust, it's hard to rebuild. Mm -hmm. That's part of how we're wired. It doesn't feel safe. And so this is, you know, again, I'm breaking these down into like, easier to understand concepts, but it's still not to oversimplify it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's hard. This work Mm -hmm. is hard. If it were easy, everyone would just love themselves up. But so this is a really big piece of reestablishing. And I call this like taking small trust steps with yourself. So Christina is really good about this in terms of like setting goals, right? Mm -hmm. Don't set goals that are too fucking big for you. Mm -hmm. Don't like pie in the sky, (laughs) yourself out of like you know like set 
reasonable, measurable, attainable goals, and then set another goal. This isn't the last goal you're going to set in your whole life. No. I mean, like we approach healing, like crash dieting. So it's like, Mm. I want to, you know, drop 10 pounds really fast, or I want to heal this in 10 days. It's like, it doesn't work like that. And then what happens after you crash diet, you say you lose 10 pounds, you gain 15 back, right? It's like, it's not sustainable. It's not good for you for one. And you're bypassing the things that actually matter that actually create change. And so well, it's a, it's a temporary fix is what it is. It's like the bandaid concept. And if you really want permanent change, I use this a lot with health because again, coming from the industry I came in, like we don't have these quick fix, like, Oh, you have a headache, go take an Advil. You have this, you have like a lot of athletes don't do stuff like that. Um, we really have our supplements and our, you know, home remedies and all of these types of things. And those things take time to, mm-hmm. for your body to adjust to that. Oh, this is what's going to work. The Advil's not coming, you know? <laughs> and so it's not going to be in that those types of things, like, you know, pharmaceuticals and stuff like that, they numb me, you know, they get rid of the problem. It's like, it masks it. But what was the initial reason? Was I dehydrated? Was I hungry? Was I tired? Was it like, there's so many other ways that your body, you know, can be fulfilled and what the real problem is. And if you just pop an Advil, you don't know what the real problem is. Yep. And so you don't want to mask it, you know? No. And I think if we, this is part of self-trust too. It's like, whatever your body is communicating to you is a need. And it's communicating it to you because your body is working. Mm -hmm. Think that like when we have a headache, it's like, oh, my body is broken. There must be something wrong with my body. It's like, no, your body is telling you that you need something. Your body is telling you you need to sleep or that you need water or you need to eat or you need to take a breath or you need to stand up or you need to stretch, right? Your body is communicating something to you out of health because your body is working. Right. You were having no symptoms and your blood pressure was through the roof and you're about to have a heart attack and you had no symptoms. That would be a problem. Right. People would be dropping dead. Right. All over the place because right. we wouldn't know our body would not be communicating to us that something is wrong. So the fact that our body does communicate that to us right. is a signifier that our body is working. And so and we, we need to react to that and we need to exactly. fix that problem, but yes. not, not mask it with something that's just going to, I mean, again, and the situations are different. Like, listen, if you're, you know, in the middle of an amusement park and there's no way that you're going to be getting, you know, some sleep or whatever it is that the problem is, I mean, I get it there's times and places for that. But at the same time, just understanding that your body is telling you these things all the time. There's red flags everywhere. But I love what you said about that. It's not me. It doesn't mean that your body's broken because a lot of times like, yeah, I mean, when you think about having a headache, you're like, oh no, like I did something wrong today. I didn't eat enough. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And like all of a sudden, again, that goes back into the self. Like now you're just getting on yourself for something you didn't do. But in reality, it's like, well, regardless of what didn't happen, you know, maybe we could have avoided this, like your body is here to communicate with you. So it's like a sticky note reminder, you know, (laughs) like, Hey, you're, you know, and, and I notice, um, in my body that it's a grad, it's a progression. It's gradually progressing. So like, I'll get little hints of like a headache starting and it's like, Oh, I can stop it before it gets too bad. You know what I'm saying? So it's not just like zero to a hundred in which case, like, yeah, you have a chance to communicate with yourself and understand like how to fix the problem before it becomes a problem essentially. Absolutely. And this is like, this is part of small trust sets too. When you start to listen to your body and respond and give your body what it needs, this is, this is how you establish trust. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
my, then my body sees, okay, when I communicate with her, she responds. Yeah. She notices and she responds. And then that like is downloaded into my system. It's like, oh, okay. I can trust myself to respond mm-hmm. when my body is like giving me a cue. I can right. trust myself to take a step away from the screen. If that's giving me a headache, I can trust myself to go stretch. Right. So it's these small little cues. We're not setting like just these enormous insurmountable goals especially at the beginning of 2022, like we all, it's like, I'm going to be running five miles a day and I'm going to be eating no, no processed sugar. Um, and I'll just like setting these, you know, and if that's your goal, I support you, you know, go for it. Right. But is that realistic to do all, like we often set these like enormous goals that are going to greatly change our lifestyle and sort of do it at the drop of the hat without putting systems in place and acknowledging how much effort and energy it's actually going to take to make these really big drastic changes all together. And then when we fail, it's just another, like we're reestablishing the fact that we can't trust ourselves mm. because we fucked up when we were setting our goals, right? right? It's not because we can't trust ourselves. It's because we set a goal that wasn't appropriate. Right. And so or just, or just not, you didn't account for, again, we talked about this in the sustainable habits. We, you're not accounting for the flexibility and the yeah. transition and integration into your life. Yeah. And yeah, you need to hold yourself accountable. And if you miss a gym session and all this stuff and whatever, and that's all fine and dandy, but like, like Maggie said, you start at the beginning of the year and you, you haven't made the appropriate plans of like, Oh, what happens if this happens and this happens? And then all of a sudden you're completely overwhelmed and you drop off. And now, like she said, the self-trust is gone. Yep. And so setting these small, like daily, like consistency, I think again, consistency is not doing the same thing every day. It is showing up for yourself every day. So like, I will say this a million more times, but anything we're doing is worth doing badly. So if you're feeling like, you know, if your goal is to move your body every day, well, moving your body might look like taking a walk around the block Mm -hmm. on a day when you just don't have it in you, or it might be doing like a you know, a restorative yoga instead of doing 45 minutes of like circuit training. Right. So it's like, how do you show up consistently for yourself? That should be the question. It's like, what can I do if I'm really not feeling it? How can I show up for myself in the smallest way today Uh in this capacity? If you have a morning routine and you woke up late and you are just like, fuck, I don't have any time for this in your stress. The question is like, how can I, how can I show myself some consistency here right now so that I can just keep reestablishing the self-trust? Maybe you literally for 30 seconds, you just breathe. Mm. Everybody has 30 seconds, right? And if if that's all you've got for your morning routine in the morning, you did it. You showed up, you were consistent, you etched out what you had. And I think in this, you know, when we set goals, we think about what's the perfect scenario, if I get up and I don't press snooze and my kid didn't wake up early and I don't have a fire alarm in my email when I, you know, roll over first thing, like that's like what once or twice a month. If that, right. like, <laughs> that's yeah, you got to work through the challenges. It's there. Well, we're setting our goals based on these like very rare, like picture perfect occasions. Yeah. That's and nice. not instead setting our goals for like, what is my life typically like though? Yes. You know? And so how can we show up consistently? That's what self-trust is. It's like, mm-hmm. can I trust myself to be in conversation with myself? Can I trust myself not to scrap everything when one thing doesn't go right? Can I trust myself to be compassionate? So this is 
this is self-trust. It's really working to be in integrity, to following through with what you say you're going to in whatever way that looks like today Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and knowing that that's going to be different every day and accepting that that's okay. So self-trust, self-forgiveness is next. Yeah. It's, this is, I mean, exactly as it sounds, we carry so much weight. I mean, I like still work through this, working through this in therapy currently, um, looking at like past events that will pop up in my mind as I'm laying in bed at night. Just like, but I'm still like, why am I holding on to this? Like, why is it still, you know, and it, the thing is our emotions are stored. It's like, are related to our long-term memory. So high heightened emotional experiences are locked in there Mm. into our long-term memories, which is why we remember things that were like morbidly embarrassing when we were 12 years old, you know, like just kind of horrifying, especially in adolescence. It's why we remember those things because they're tied to high emotional experiences and that's locked in our long-term memory. Right. So we need to forgive ourselves for this stuff that like, you can't move forward if you can't forgive yourself. Right. And this is an ongoing process. Like, you know, we can describe forgiveness as a give and take. So forgive to give, right. You're giving it, but there are times where you take it back. If you've ever forgiven someone else for doing something that was really hurtful, I know that you will have experienced this. You're in a moment. You're like, okay, I'm ready to forgive this person. And then something happens a few weeks later and you're like, you know, fuck that person. Like I take this back. Like I don't forgive them anymore. They proved me right. Why I should have been mad at them at the first place. (laughs) And it's a give and take, even if you don't even encounter them again. It can happen totally right. inside of you. Something can be triggered inside of you that isn't even something that they did right. in the future. Like it is always a give and take and the same is with ourselves. And so again, practicing self-forgiveness for like the big things that are really hard for you to let go of mm-hmm. and you've done is really powerful. And it's not a one-time thing. Yeah. Right? I am continually forgiving myself for about three things that have been major major turning points in my life. And it's, I am in this process of constantly giving and taking back and giving and taking back and needing to revisit. And this is normal, so normal, but you can't, you have to forgive yourself to move forward. You cannot move on until you forgive yourself. Right. And just toss it under the rug. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't go away at all. And you, maintain these energetic ties to the people or the events or things that um, stay with you. And so self-forgiveness is huge and it's hard and it's messy. Mm -hmm. um, Uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's really looking at yourself and it's acknowledging the full human. And again, when we forgive ourselves, we feel like this is part of self-compassion too. It's like, we're letting ourselves off the hook. That's not true. Right. Like with our intention, you know, as you forgive yourself, it's your intention to be better. It's your intention to do better next time. Yeah. And your ability to actually look at what you've done and forgive yourself for it is a greater indicator that you won't repeat your mistakes. If you refuse to forgive yourself and to look at that stuff, it's likely that you are going to do more of the same. Because right. you're, not it. you're not addressing it. So huge aspect 
I love this part. It's like, when I get into my emotions, we go, we go in it, baby. Self-forgiveness is deep, but Mm -hmm. so necessary. Um, And the last one is self-worth. So this is like the last pillar, right? I think so much of what we do in this life is seeking validation, is seeking Mm -hmm. to have our worthiness affirmed by other people. And the more you outsource your worth to external circumstances, the less fulfilled, the less free, the less happy you will be. And that Mm -hmm. is a fact. If you are basing your worth on your productivity, how other people Mm. view you, what you look like, um, any of that, then you're fucked. Basically you are, you're at the mercy of everything out there. Mm -hmm. You are not in charge of your own, of your own life. So long as you are out. Yeah. You've relinquished the control of what, you know, how you feel basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about yourself. Yeah. About your very existence. Mm -hmm. We're outsourcing your the validity of your existence to something else. Right. And like, I don't know about you, but I don't really want other people to have that kind of power. No, no, I don't either. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that, you know, even going through this, when you had first shown it to me, self-compassion, self-trust, and I would say self-worth, self-worth is the big one of the three that we discuss in society, right? Um, Self-knowing, self-forgiveness, and um, what was the second one? Self-understanding. Self-understanding. A lot of those are not, again, like it was even hard for me to remember, like those are not, you know, phrases that stick in the brain. Um, and that's why I love that you have all of these pillars because it makes it, not only is it a really nice domino effect because you started off with like, okay, like I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm part of the human species. This is what we did back then. This, you know, like it makes it really like, I can handle that. Let's move on to the next one, you know? And then you get into these deep ones of like trust, forgiveness and worth and all of that. And it, it just makes it so much, again, it's so much more attainable, I think, you know, to even just start to look at and just be like, even if you write a couple of things down in each one of like, this is where I could do better. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it just makes it so much easier to even say like, I've started working on this Yeah. instead of just like, we don't even talk about half of them in society and the other half it's like, eh, I'll get there when I get there. Yep. You know? Well, I think too, it's like, everybody is like, Oh, you just need to love yourself more. How? Right. Do I like take more bubble baths? Like, how do I love myself more? Yeah. There is no game plan when people say that (laughs) there's no strategy there. And this isn't even really, you know, a game plan. This is a framework to understand different aspects of that look like. Right. But there's no, like, it is such a sort of nebulous kind of opaque idea of like, Mm -hmm. how do I love myself more? Right. Right? What does that look like? What do I really need to do? And what are the different facets of that? I think that's why what drove me to create this framework is just, we need more to go off of than like bubble baths. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) for sure. But again, it's just like what we talk about with the, you know, the work-life balance, like, oh, you see the good work-life balance. Okay, great. How do I do that? 
Is there a school I can go to? What does that look like? Is yeah. it static? Does it always stay the same? Right. I find it once. Will it be the, that way for forever? You know? Right. Right. Does mine look the same as yours? You know, like it's, yeah, it's so different. And so, um, I think it, that's why I love that this method that you have fits in perfectly with what we do, because it's all of these concepts of, like I said, burnout, work-life balance, entrepreneurship that is just thrown into society. And it's like, oh yeah, I do that. It's like, you see the successful people that are successful and we're trying to figure out how to get there. And then you, you know, you see a bunch of people struggling and then you're kind of in the middle trying to figure out like, where do I go? What do I do? How do I get that concept? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or how do I get out of burnout? Well, there's so many different ways to do that, but again, everyone's is different. And so you have mm-hmm. to create those strategies for yourself. Um, and I think, again, that just kind of wraps right back around to what you just explain to us in all of these selves. Like if you go from, you know, self-knowing, self-understanding, self-compassion, self-trust, self-forgiveness, and self-worth, and you go through those, you know, even, even if it's like a spring cleaning kind of thing, like every, every year or every six months, you're just like, you know what, let's go through this and make sure that I'm all regulated. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like a car that gets an oil change. Like (laughs) you should be kind of doing this on a regular basis just understanding like where you are, even on a scale of one to 10, where am I on all of these selves? Um, I think that that will better help you to understand how to create your work-life balance, how to create, how to get out of your burnout because your (laughs) burnout looks different from somebody else's burnout, how to create your sustainable entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey, you know, and all of these different types of things are going to be a, um, you know, a ripple effect positively from just getting it, it all starts with you yeah. is what we're, is what we're saying at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, totally. And th- again, we give you, and especially as we work with our clients, we give them frameworks and strategies yeah. and systems to follow. And like, as you work through them the first couple of times, it's laborious, yeah. it's hard, it's intense, but then you internalize, like our brains are programmed to remember systems. Our brains are programmed to remember processes, especially when they are linked to positive effects. Our brains want to capture in totality how we got to whatever good outcome. Our brain wants right. more of that. It right. Is- Cause it's seeking joy and pleasure and yeah. Positive affirmation. Yep. For sure. And so we want, our brains are good at remembering how to work through these things. And the more you do it, it's like, you don't really it just becomes automatic. It's like yeah. something will pop up in your day and you're like, wow, I'm not being very self-compassionate, you know, or, Oh, I really should, should probably practice some forgiveness for myself here. I can, yeah. I can see that I'm not, I'm being really hard on myself. I'm not forgiving myself for this thing. Definitely. And so it's like, it becomes part of your own internal dialogue. And that really is what self-love is. It is treating yourself kindness internally. It's how you talk to yourself. It's how you engage with yourself. And as a result, you are able to engage with the world in a way that is really, really beautiful and balanced and just yeah. sort of accepting right. what is. Yeah. So write, write all the selves on a sticky note, put it <laughs> on your mirror, your bathroom yeah. mirror. We're going to put, um, you know, Maggie's, uh, has her whole method. We'll put it in the comments so you can kind of just see it, um, as a really nice graphic that makes it easy to understand each one. Um, obviously to go into depth, we hope that this training helps you to (laughs) understand it on a deeper level. Um, but as she said, there's so much more 
you know, to go into it when it comes to your custom situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a really good framework of how to get started and how to better understand what each one means. Yeah. Um, and how also like how necessary each one is. Cause I think a lot of people, when they hear all that, they're like, oh, we don't need all those. We can combine them. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a way to consolidate. And it's like, you know what, each one though has its purpose and each one really allows us to be more and more free and loving with ourselves. Yep. Which is like, I mean, the ultimate, what you got baby cakes. Like you're, it's you and you and like you, again, the more you take personal responsibility for your experience of this life, Mm -hmm. the more you stop outsourcing your sense of well being and validation and worth to other people and other sources, the more like you're just, just loving life the more That's you it. love yourself the more you love the life that you're living because yeah. when you love yourself you make decisions that are in your interest you make decisions that are based on you and so you are dictating the circumstances of your life rather than having other people do it for you yeah you take back your control and your and your time and energy which is what we teach people <laughs> Yeah. It's all about that. Like people ask, Oh, oh that's so, sounds so great. I would love to take my time and energy back. It's like, how do I do that? Well, there's lots of components to it. And one of them is, yep. you know, knowing yourself <laughs> six pillars of self-love. Yep, exactly. so, Thanks for listening. And if you would like to join freedom mindset Academy, click the link in the show notes and apply for a free clarity call. Because let's face it, if you already feel like there aren't enough hours in the day, then you don't want to waste another minute not working towards life balance by creating sustainable systems and taking back control of your time. We'll see you inside the Academy.